I'm Hemant Metta. And I'm Jessica Blumke. And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. You can now listen to all of our episodes and see show notes at FriendlyAtheistPodcast.com. By the way, we now have a merchandise shop on the website, so if you want your podcast swag, some shirts, mugs, baby onesies, Hemant, you're going to get a baby onesie for your kiddo? Of course. Yeah. Go to our website and click on the store tab. We're brought to you today by Foundation Marketing. If you own a small business, then you know how frustrating advertising can be. Foundation Marketing offers all-encompassing solutions backed by 20 years' experience. This includes professional web design, graphic design, printing, and online marketing solutions. They are a certified Google partner and offer free consultation. Visit them online at fmkg.net. Let them know you were sent by the Friendly Atheist podcast and you'll get 10% off any sale. They're also donating 20% of all sales driven by this podcast to the Clergy Project and Foundation Beyond Belief, 10% each. Once again, check them out at fmkg.net. Christine Trian is an eco-conscious, secular, vegan mother based out of Hawaii. About a year ago, she launched a Kickstarter campaign for a book called Christian Mythology for Children. It's essentially a book that explains the stories of the Bible as just that, stories. They don't disparage religion, and they don't pretend any of it is real either. They read just like Greek mythology, with beautiful illustrations by Christopher Zashevsky, to boot. It's a wonderful way to introduce your children to these characters without indoctrinating them in the faith. Christine, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yes, thanks for having me on. So what possessed you to write a book like this? It seems it seems like you're writing about these Bible stories, and whenever people want to tell these biblical stories, it's very much a, you have to believe these stories. Like, they're never written in yeah. an objective sort of way. Mm-hmm. So where's this idea coming right. from? What possessed you to do it? Right. Well, there was a day uh, when my kids had made a complete mess of all the books in their room, and they were scattered all over the floor. And I was cleaning up the room, and I picked up a children's Bible that my mother had given them. And it hadn't been read because I hadn't wanted to read it, and they just hadn't picked it out to read. But it was there because I always thought, you know, I'm never going to make religion taboo. I'm not going to hide it from them. I want them to know about it. So when my mom gave me this Bible, I thought, well, okay, I have to live by this rule that I made for myself not to make this a taboo subject for my kids. So I kept it, but then I started looking through it and actually reading what was in there, and I was totally appalled at the (laughs) type of language that was being used. It was all indoctrination and fear and talking about, you know, Jesus loves you, and that's why he died on the cross for you and all this stuff, and I was like, this actually isn't educating my kids in any way. This is not information that's useful for them, and it has all this indoctrination. And so I thought, well, there has to be a book out there where it's just a story like you read about Greek mythology or something like that. So I went looking, and I couldn't find anything like it, absolutely nothing like it. So then I thought, well, maybe I could write, you know, just write these stories out for my kids and read it just to them. Um, But then the more I talked to people in our secular family group, you know, the more I heard, you know, other people want this too. So that's when we decided to do the kickstarter and see how much interest there was in a book like this and that kickstarter did really well too um i mean it not only surpassed its goal of like whatever five figures 
that it was uh, kickstarting for. But how did you, I mean, I think I'm just curious about this uh, from a logistical point of view. This looks, I mean, I've seen the, I have the physical copy of this book. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, the layout's beautiful. The Mm -hmm. illustrations are great. How did you go from, okay, I have these stories. I have it written out to, all right, I have to get an illustrator. I have to make it into this format. Like, how did you go from A to B there? Right. Well, before I did the Kickstarter, I wrote the book because I wanted to make sure that mm. I knew what it would look like in its, you know, final form for the most part. Um, I wasn't able to find an illustrator and hire them um, on my own bill, basically. So that's kind of where the Kickstarter came in. But I did use um, some of those online portals where you can put a project up there for illustrators and they can send you a sample that would fit your project. So I was able to vet a few illustrators, and I found one that that I thought was fitting, and that's the illustration that we used for the cover on the Kickstarter. And you know, he had a lot of examples on his page too. So at that point, I hadn't really spent a lot of my own um, funds to you know get to the point where we could throw a Kickstarter out there and see you know is is, is this going to be something that people are going to want to buy and I thought, you know, if the Kickstarter doesn't work and there's not enough interest, then that will tell me and I won't I won't make the book, you know. <laughs> so what was the I I'm just wondering what the motivation was. Do you think these stories are just good stories? Do you think that they're part of there's something that somebody that kids should be aware of just as out in the world? Or do you think that there is morality to these? I think there's a, a mix of all of that. I think there is a lot of um, parts of the Bible that are in our culture, and people make references to them. You know, if you go to a comedy show, you're probably going to hear a religious reference, especially a Christian one mm-hmm. um, today. And I, I find that there's, um, you know, there's even those movies out there, like Year One, um, with Jack Black in it. The whole thing is just a whole play on how funny it is, like to talk about the Bible stories and what it would really be like. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think a lot of kids, you know, they miss what you know the punchline is and stuff and there's a few stories where i think there's a moral to it and in the book we do mention that at the end in our little um italicized um here's the takeaway lesson for this particular story right if there's something in there that is um laudable we'll you know say that (laughs) i love that Um, if there's (laughs) if there's something in there yeah yeah. I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a lot of stories where I have mentioned in the comment at the end why it's not a morally uplifting. <laughs> so that's story. A, that's an interesting <laughs> story because what about like Abraham and Isaac, where the dad is so basically like, saying, "All right, kill I'll kill my son because God told me to." There, what's the what do you say about that story? Did that one example? make your book? Yeah, that's in there for sure. Um, and that one, I it was I was thinking about not putting it in actually because it is a story about a dad potentially killing his child. And <laughs> good night, kids. Here's a bedtime story. <laughs> Mommy loves know, you, but not so much that she wouldn't season. kill you for God. <laughs> and yeah, what did you say about it at the end? Don't do this. Yeah, basically, um, I kind of mentioned that. People who hear God or hear, you know, they, they hear God talking to them, 
um, we now know that that is a mental disorder and they require oh. the help of a professional psychologist and you shouldn't listen to voices in your head that tell you to harm people. So That's a great takeaway. As it is and not um, you know, trying to demoralize the story too much, but also just, you know, saying what we really should know about, you know, people who follow voices in their head. Kristen, you put the best possible spin on that. I'm very <laughs> impressed by you right now. <laughs> on the on the flip side of that, what's an example of a Bible story you included in the book that has a positive spin on it? Pillar of salt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I'm trying to remember. Um... <laughs> it takes a while. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the one where the guy has um, his daughters have sex, I so really, the angels yeah. don't. What's that one? I was surprised about the story of Jonah and the whale because it was. Um, one of the few times in the Bible when God is trying to be funny and um, the character Jonah, he's sent to tell everybody, you know, you've been so bad and God is going to wipe you out. And when he goes to tell them that, they repent and they turn around and they change their ways and God decides, oh, okay, fine, I'm not going to do that. And he gets completely outraged and he starts yelling at God and he's just like, completely pissed off about oh well you didn't follow through i wanted to watch this happen it was gonna be so exciting for me and you know god just basically blows him off and um it's one of the few times where it's like you know there's a story about forgiveness and how that's a better option than you know following through with whatever angry plan that you had did you end up reading these stories to your own kids i have read a few of them my kids are three and five so um, they're, you know, one of them is below the age suggestion sure. for this book, <laughs> but they do, yeah, they do enjoy the illustrations a lot, and they enjoy the shorter stories like the Verse of Jesus and some of the other, you know, shorter ones. Um, but it is kind of a book that's for age five is probably the youngest, sure. so five to fifteen ish. So, you know, so for your oldest, for your oldest, what was the reaction when you read the story? Did it did it come across the way you wanted it to come across? Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of Greek mythology um, and Roman mythology and other mythology books in our collection of books, and I felt like he understood it in the same way, so mission accomplished, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I love that, because I, when I was in second grade, how old are you in second grade? Seven? Uh, seven. Seven-ish? Yeah. Um, I took, like, this little Greek mythology course and was fascinated by it, and granted, those aren't, like, super morality tales in any way, but I loved the stories, and I still have fascination to this day, and I kind of wish there was something like this for Christianity, because I feel like I was way behind the curve, because I never went to church, yeah. so I didn't get any of the jokes. <laughs> but I love that you're doing this. I'm my question is what um, when you started getting interest in this and you saw people you saw a need for it do you find that people who are religious are interested in this because it kind of repackages stories they do believe in in a sort of uh, more bite-sized way for younger kids or is it more people like more secular people who want to expose their children to this without the indoctrination I haven't heard any um, feedback about that I have heard some parents of like other religions uh, are not Christian say that it, it's a useful resource for them to understand a different religion. So, you know, perhaps it isn't as strong as um, some people might suggest. Um, the stories themselves are pretty much you know free of any opinion. They're they're just written um, as a story, and then 
the opinion part comes in after and sometimes before each of the chapters. Have you thought about doing a series? Like, do one on Islam, do one on Judaism, do one on Hinduism? Good luck with the illustrations on the Quran, <laughs> one, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tried that know, line carefully. Kind of, um, considering doing Mormon mythology oh. or Scientology mythology next, I have a mouthful. Why Mormonism? Um, just out of curiosity. Phase and just kind of seeing how this book um, does and what their responses before we launch something else. Do you have a background in Mormonism, or is it just something that you find interesting? I don't. Um, I do find it very interesting, and I actually know many ex-Mormons um, that I have talked to, and they say that it's probably going to be more exciting to read and more exciting to illustrate and <laughs> see the illustrations because there's so much more bizarre stuff. <laughs> you could do an entire chapter system. for every one of Joseph Smith's wives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Terrible joke. I'll be here all night. Um, <laughs> Were you? Re- you said that the the one of the inspirations for your book is that you saw your kids uh, with that Bible that your Bible? Uh, mother gave them. If I have that right, did she raise yes. you to believe these stories is literally true? Like, what was your religious upbringing like? Yeah, I, I would describe it as fundamentalist Catholic, and it was very, a very sheltered. Um, experience as a child i only knew other families and other kids who believed very similarly to me so um my parents are they're in deep (laughs) they believe it 100 percent. and you know i don't blame them because they believe for emotional reasons and it's hard to argue with that so yeah um we just agree to disagree after all these years (laughs) are they aware of your book like what was their reaction to it yeah, you know, I didn't put it, I didn't shove it in their face or anything. They they found out um, inadvertently, and then uh, I just haven't mentioned it because I know that they're not going to be thrilled about it, <laughs> and I don't want it to come between you know, the relationship that we've developed. Um, totally understand. Religion, so. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Has there been any kind of backlash on the book? Do Does anybody see it as um, as blasphemous or anything like that? I haven't had any yet. There's been a few um, comments about the format and just not liking um, the way it's written and things like that. Oh, screw that. (laughs) Everybody's a critic. Yeah. Everyone will criticize anything. That's, again, (laughs) I'm not not saying this because you're on the phone phone with us, but, like, this is one of the things I hate when people are nitpicking all that sort of stuff because, like, Christine on with us, she did something. Yeah. But there are so many people who are like, I can type out a tweet that slams it. That's my contribution to the world. I think we touched a nerve with her in here. (laughs) Not that I've ever gotten anything like that. I know. (laughs) Yeah, it is a lot more work than I ever thought it would be going into it, but it's still worth it because I think this is a resource that has been long overdue. And I'm really glad to be able to put it out there. And I'm glad that people are supporting the project and have supported it. I'm very grateful to all the Kickstarter supporters and all the pre-orders and everybody who paid more than the book is. (laughs) That's that's a nice feeling. Like they make it happen. And, you know, I wrote it and I orchestrated the illustrations and everything, but like without them, this would never have happened. So Did you do anything on it Kickstarter? Is a, it is a community-supported book. Right. <laughs> Did you do anything on Kickstarter before, or was this a new experience for you as well? Completely new, yeah. That's awesome. 
So what, you live in Hawaii, right, you said? On Hawaii, in Hawaii? Say it again? You live, it doesn't matter, I screwed it up the first time. Uh, you, you live in Hawaii, is that correct? I do, yeah, we just moved here recently, yeah. Really? Uh, so what's the community like in terms of religiosity? Um, it's different. Uh, I came from Phoenix, where I, it was a red state and very um, heavily religious. Um, and it's a, it's a breath of fresh air coming here. People are, they call themselves spiritual more often, which I can handle that. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a lot of, I guess, what you call woo-woo um, spirituality, you know, just uh, being in tune with the universe and using crystals and... Dolphins um, healing you. <laughs> Kind of more of the Hindu, you know, there's a Hindu vibe to it, which, I mean, all of that, it's, it's so harmless, and they're not pushing it on anybody, and the, the intention behind it is usually very well-meaning, and they're just trying to bring peace and love into the world it's kind of it's a hippie thing so i mean there I, there's probably a reason hawaii's the place where the only hindu member of congress comes from yeah <laughs> brown pride yeah. <laughs> i know there, there, there is christianity here and i think the thing that annoys me the most about the state is it seems in the schools they um have a lot more Christian schools and like their, their um, traditional Hawaiian schools are very Christian oriented. So I mean, that's just, but it's easy to avoid. It's definitely a little I, I may have the details wrong on this, but I remember covering this on the website uh, several months ago or maybe a year ago or something where, yeah, some Christian megachurches, usually they can rent out space at public schools. They could do uh-huh. that anywhere. It's legal. They just pay the rental price. Sure. But uh, some, really? some, yeah, it's totally legal. But some Christian churches in Hawaii specifically were doing that, but they weren't paying like the full rental price or something. <laughs> and these schools were being shortchanged that revenue. And in some cases, these schools were like falling apart in some places where oh, it's shit. like, no, they needed that revenue right. and the church wasn't giving it to them. But a lawsuit was filed and a settlement was reached Good. or something. But yeah, it's it is one of those things that even in a state that's like Christine's saying, kind of decent as far as religion goes, <laughs> uh-huh. you still see shades of that religious uh, pr- uh, privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Christine, yeah. I want to go well, back to recently. Just... There was a bill that was proposed um i think it was going to be a, a school or a, excuse me a church in um on oahu and they were trying to get um public funds to pay for the, the entire build of this church and obviously they got struck down but just oh that's they right thought yes. that, that would be a great idea to bring forward was you know the <laughs> mm-hmm. well i want to go back to you kind of mentioned it in passing that a lot of the traditional hawaiian schools are christian does, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you mean they have a Christian ha- vibe to them, or like there's They're just a lot of them? So Christian, it's, yeah. Um, a little bit of both. There's some private schools that are, uh, you know, Christian Christian based. Um, but the uh, the Kamehameha schools they tend to have an undercurrent of um, Christianity to them. Do you? Um, and those ones, those are publicly funded schools. Do you know how that? I mean. I admit my Hawaiian history is not great, but how did when did that kind of combination happen? Because I don't think Jesus is necessarily from Hawaii. <laughs> I don't think. But did was it missionaries that went out there and sort of Christianized the place? Yeah, I was gonna say infested. You could say Christianized. Ah. <laughs> um, I don't know. 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 I don't know.
If I may ask, how are you raising your own kids? Are you raising them to, you said you want to introduce them to all these religions, but are you raising them to be atheists or are you just saying, look, let me show you a little bit of everything because this is what Christians believe, this is what other people believe, and then you figure it out for yourself? Yeah, and I think at this young age, um, I'm really not proactively putting religion in front of them. Uh, We've come across it from relatives here and there. But that's definitely my philosophy is to give them a toolkit to use to think logically. And once they're at that level and that ability, then we can start talking about other religions and comparative religions and bringing that into their world and their vocabulary. But I feel like that's probably not going to happen until, you know, seven or eight when they're they're able to reason and sort things out um, with the tools that we provide them with. Let me go back to your book for a second. When you were writing these stories uh, for kind of a, a child audience, were there any stories that you're like, you know what, I don't really know this story very well. I need to do some research on it. Or did you did you only cover the stories that everyone knows? Like, here's the story of Adam and Eve. Here's Abraham and Isaac, etc. Yeah, well, I did a little bit of research and <clears throat> made a list of the most common stories. And then I also compared that with some children's Bibles and what stories they included. Mm. And... Um, Obviously, there's a lot in the Bible that is not anything you would want to tell a young <laughs> child about. Sure. So that was that obviously didn't make the list. But yeah, there was a few um, stories that I wasn't like familiar with by heart um, that I did have to do a bit of research on. The actually the story of Joseph's coach um, is quite lengthy, and I reading reading it for a, a refreshed moment. Um, the first time coming back to it, I realized I didn't know the whole story and it had been so convoluted in my memory because of the, you know, Joseph and the Technicolor dream coat and all these, you know, <laughs> yeah. modern um, versions of it that have come out. So, yeah. So what stories fell, or do you have any stories off the top of your head that kind of went to the cutting room floor that you thought about including but realized either they're inappropriate or long or boring or all three? Um, I didn't start writing until I had a, a compiled list of what I thought was, was definitely worth writing about. Um, but you know, there's, there's, um, I can't remember if it's Abraham, but there's a story in the Abrahamic, um, parts of the Bible where his daughters come in and uh, make love to him and try to get pregnant. And I mean, oh, and you didn't put like that, that in, all huh? over the Bible, obviously, isn't worth <laughs> putting in a kid's book, so... Save that one for the sequel. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm curious when you um when you went when you said about writing them, did you actually just like open a Bible, read it, and sort of restate it in your own words, or did you go through other children's Bibles to see what kind of details they pulled out or left behind? Yeah, I did a little bit of both. Um I wanted to stay mostly true to like an original text. Um but I also in my book I put a lot of um, intro tags in like kind of like a once upon the sto- once upon a time <laughs> in the story kind of tag because I wanted it to sound like a story and not like something that's reading true. Mm. Um, 
So there's there's a little bit of changes like that in there, but for the most part, it follows like the um uh what's it the new the, the NIV. I'm forgetting what that um the new international version. Yeah, it does mostly what I use um, for reading Bible um, and kind of translating into more readable English sure. for kids and adding kind of that once upon a time to the story. I would like to make a request that you make kind of an adult version of the <laughs> same book with the same sort of themes of like, uh, yeah, let's talk about that story about the dad whose daughters had sex with him or whatever, because sure. I'm sure there is some morality or amorality that we should talk about, because I have a bunch of politicians that I would love to send that book to. <laughs> right. With the illustrations, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make sure it gets through. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And the book, again, is called Christian Mythology for Children. And even if you missed the Kickstarter, the book is still available on Amazon. We'll have links to all that in the show notes. Uh, Christine, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. We were brought to you today by Foundation Marketing. If you own a small business, then you know how frustrating advertising can be. Foundation Marketing offers all-encompassing solutions backed by 20 years' experience. This includes professional web design, graphic design, printing, and online marketing solutions. They are a certified Google partner and offer free consultation. Visit them online at fmkg.net. Let them know you were sent by the Friendly Atheist Podcast, and you'll get 10% off any sale. They're also donating 20% of all sales driven by this podcast to the Clergy Project and Foundation Beyond Belief, 10% each. Once again, check them out at fmkg.net. This episode was taped at Cinnamon Sound Studios in Aurora, Illinois. The music was composed by Brad Chagdis. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a contribution at patreon.com slash Hemant. That's He-Man-T. We appreciate your support. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blumke. We hope you join us next time. 